Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 26. This week, Brian and I are talking about the theology of God. If that sounds scary to you, no worries. It simply means we're talking about who God is and what he has revealed to us about himself. It's a great conversation, and this conversation is for everyone, so hang in there. This also happens to be our very first episode we have filmed, and that video is available on YouTube right now. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro and click subscribe, of course. It's important to search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro and not just the Bible Bistro. Uh, If you don't type in Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, you're not going to get the good stuff. You're going to get some other stuff that's, well, it's just not as good. So Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Check us out on YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or just share the podcast or YouTube channel with a friend? We'd love to grow our audience and reach others. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at the theology of God. All right, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. This is Bistro on the Road today. It is Bistro on the Road. Tell Where are we at today? We're at the historic... North Danvers Mennonite Church in outside of Danvers, Illinois, between Danvers and Carlock, Illinois. Yes, this church is several years old. It's very old. Yeah, a couple of historical things. I'll just say briefly, it's the it's the oldest Mennonite congregation west of Ohio, which is one of its claims to fame. And then the other is it's the oldest. This is you got to do this. This is kind of tricky. In McLean County, Illinois, this is the oldest congregation that is still meeting in the same facility, same place. So there are older congregations, and there are ones that have older buildings, but they have been the yeah. same group meeting continuously for a long time. Yeah, and this is where I'm a uh, minister. This is where I preach. Very cool. Well, so. thanks for welcoming the Bistro here. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we're able to hang out together. Yeah, so. and, and today is a special inaugural Bistro episode right. because it's the first one we're attempting, and we're doing it, and we're yeah. attempting, we're adding video to right. all of this. And I don't so, know where to look. Yeah, it's uh, camera one, camera <laughs> okay. two. Okay. You just, camera, different eyes. Wayne's World joke. So anyway. supposed to look like this? Yeah, just okay. smile. Huh. Or am I supposed to look at you? Me. Just okay. always <laughs> never take your eyes off of me. Um, and one thing I think that we should point out in this, at least I want to point out in this, because right. you've brought it to my attention. <laughs> Are you talking pe- about your wardrobe? I'm talking about my wardrobe. So uh, I kind of live by a philosophy that I don't like to think about the clothes that I'm going to wear. I mean, uh, smart, I, I don't want know. them to... You and Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, RIP. <clears throat> yeah. um, so I have like the same shirt you'll see. Maybe uh, different colors. Right. I, I do the same uh, with my pants as well. So I find I find some pants alike. And if we I just, ever if we ever if go, we from... ever go for full shot, and I don't know probably, if this probably podcast, not gonna happen. This no, podcast can't gonna handle that. Um, so, but anyway, so you'll probably see me week after week, and you're like, "Isn't that the same T-shirt? It's Carhartt." Yeah, yeah, it is because I don't have to think about it. So I do change clothes. It's a very regular thing. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm changing clothes. I think that's how this all started. I said something to you one day, like, do you wear the same shirt every we, day? <laughs> y- yes, because we had dinner, and then we were recording the bistro, and we right. the next morning, and I had, I think it was the same shirt. Yeah. Or it wasn't the same shirt. It was the right. same color. Same You're color. Like, Is that the same shirt you wore yesterday? And I'm like, no. And I didn't say quite that disgusted term. I was just, it was You're more, like, it was more of a... <laughs> It was more of a curiosity. It was so. a curiosity. But we are, you know, we have this, this will allow some different viewers and people who don't necessarily are, aren't podcast people to have access to. Yeah, we're going to put it on the old tube of the U. Yeah, the YouTube. The YouTube. 
Yes, if you I didn't think, catch I think my, actually, old, my old English or whatever that was. They, the, the tube. The, the, <laughs> the tube of the U. The U family. Anyway, okay. so yes. All right, so enough of our insanity. We should actually talk about, you know, Bible Bistro well, stuff. And here's the thing today, Ryan, I thought we would do is uh, every week, you know, now that we've had this out and I've, I, I listen every week to, you know, ahead of time, make sure things are coming out okay. And every week you say, this is a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. And I thought, you know, we really haven't talked too much theology, at least like specifically. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're rounding it. Hey, we've only right. had this, what, I don't know how uh, many weeks. 17, 17 or 18, out, I don't know. something like that. I don't know when this is coming out. There's a few it's more in the can. Yeah. yeah, that's the other th- interesting thing, as I've said before about these. We record them ahead of time, so you don't know really when they're coming out. Well, we out. just released one, that, or we're going to release one. <laughs> When we're recording this, and we're like, "Oh, this is the week before Easter," and it's like four months later. <laughs> so, just right. so you know, time's a little well, off. But I'll anyway, try, I'll try not to make too many time references. Okay, so, so now we're getting to theology. We're going to talk about theology today. So, and and I thought, well, we, let's talk about the theology of God. Then let's start with that, and and just the word theology. A lot of times, I'll I'll begin with because you you know I think it's one of those words that sometimes scare people off. And and I hear people all the time. In fact, I'll, let me give you this line I always give people because people say, "Well, I'm not a theologian." I hear people say, "Yes," and I would say, "Well, everybody's a theologian." You know, anybody who talks about God, thinks about God, uh, wants to know more about God, you're a theologian. I always say it's it's a question of whether you're a good one or a bad one. You know? Right? It's a scary. It's a scary it word. It is a scary word. It's a big. It's a big technical word. And and all it means though, we we use the word ology for the study of, like mm-hmm. biology or. I don't know whatever whatever other ology you want to put in there. Astro? No, I guess astrology. not astrology. No, mm, that's a, that's a deep study we right use, there. We use astronomy, I guess, but but all those ology words, you know, have to do with the study of, and then and then theos in Greek is is just the word for God, and so theology is a study of God. Mm-hmm. So the only difference I would say when we start talking about theology is most subjects that we we have as, a, as an area of study, we can go out and we can discover stuff. Like we biology, you go out with a microscope or you go out and you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go into the savanna or whatever and find new species and study them in their, in their habitat. I or study whatever. in the savanna of, of <laughs> Illinois and Indiana. Yes. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying <laughs> is you go out and study them. Yes. Theology is different because it's not like we can go out and find God. It's not, it's not like we can, you know, take a telescope and, and look, look at, mm-hmm. right. Like so, see what he's doing today. So theology is really dependent upon God revealing himself to us and showing us who he is. And so theology is a little bit different. We've talked before about scripture, and we believe that that it is the word of God and that God reveals himself in scripture. We believe also, ultimately, I'll get to this a little bit later, that God revealed himself in his son Jesus, you know, in, in, right. in when he took on flesh and lived in our midst, he, he was really showing himself. So so that's what theology means. Now, when, I, when we talk about God him, himself or, or when we talk about God we sometimes call this theology proper because okay. theology is the big study. So anything related to – we sometimes will say things that pertain to God or related to God. So, you know, it, it, there's a, that's a big subject. It might have to do – and I think we're going to talk later about sin, for example. Mm-hmm. We might talk about salvation. And all those are aspects of theology, even biblical studies, even the kind of the way we talked about the Bible, what the Bible means and those kind of things. Those are all aspects of theology but when we talk about God himself, we're talking about theology proper, when we're getting right down to the subject of, of God's nature and his character. And I thought we'd start there. Okay. I think it's important when you're talking about theology, talking about God. I, and I guess we have talked about theology a little bit when we talked about scripture. We did talk about yeah, some things Yeah, and I think that, that the one thing I would say is we're all theologians. Like everybody, if you believe in Absolutely. God, you, you've 
there's somehow you formed a thought about yeah. who God is. And so we're all theologians. And so it's not this, I think everybody gets in there, or not everybody, but I think the, <laughs> the, the, I think the, the tendency is to think like theology, and this is going to be out of my reach, yeah. and this is out of my scope, and I need someone else to do this. And so... Um, and I think that's why we we've talked about like trying to make theology approachable. Yep. And and I think we're I think more people are interested in theology than yeah. they lead on because the, the word itself or maybe yes. the, the the words that are used to describe it are like oh that's yeah. out they of may, my scope. Yeah, they may not use use the word theology because it it is a little bit off putting. But but I do think and and so some one way I've I've put this in the past and I've heard this from other people I you know colleagues and and so forth is theology we can think of of learning to talk about God well. Mm. Like like learning to do it appropriately, because sometimes we get a little loose in our language, and that's where we that's where we get a little bit off sometimes in our thinking when we start talking. And I'll give you some examples of that a little bit later, I think. But but I thought we'd start talking about uh, God, and and I would say scripturally, when we look at the Bible, an important foundational truth about God is that He's the Creator, and and not only He's the Creator, but He's the Creator of everything. Uh, if you look at the very beginning. Of, of the book, you know, of the Bible and the book of Genesis, this is what the first part of the book of Genesis really is keyed on, is that everything that exists has its origins in God, that God is the one who called them into being. Mm-hmm. All matter, all light, all dark, everything. And, and yeah, you read Genesis 1, and it, it's kind of systematic. In fact, it, you know, it, it kind of, I shouldn't say belabors the point, but when it talks about living creatures, you know, those that are in the water, those that fly above the air, those that you know roam on the ground, those that crawl on the ground. You know, God created it's all encompassing all of these things, mm-hmm. and that's that's really what the point is. I think when he talks about the you know the heavens and he he set the stars in place and the the sun and the moon and all you know again it's 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 comprehensive light and dark. All of these things are are creations of God, and He is the Creator then of all things. And I say that's an important foundational truth in some ways. And I almost want to say this, although you know I, I'm always trying to be careful again because in theology you want to be careful. The how words, you say the words things. are important, but it, I would say in some ways this is the important foundational truth. Certainly in Scripture, that's what we see that God God is called the Creator. That's what it means that He's God, as He's the one who made uh, all of these other things. So this belief that God is a creator is determinative then for we've talked about worldview before this is determinative yep. for our Christian worldview he's he's got to be the starting point we've got to have that that I, I think so and we we believe that the things that that exist including ourselves have their origin in him mm-hmm. that that that's important and, and there's I, and when I say determinative I guess what I'm saying is that there's all kinds of implications that come out of that then mm-hmm. so here's the other interesting thing and I want to get into we may be getting into this a little bit early in, in this discussion but one of the amazing things then is that Scripture then begins to teach us that Jesus, he's described as the creator of all things. Let me show you a couple of passages to, to okay. kind of get what I'm talking about. John chapter 1 is one of them. Okay. Go ahead and read just the first three verses or so, John chapter 1, uh, if you would. Yep, I'm on it. My Bible. The pages are sticking. <laughs> oh, I have mine open, but I didn't. No, uh, I no, no. I told you ahead of time. Classic. <laughs> Here we go. Oh my gosh, the pages are sticking. John 1, 1 through 3. My hands are like paralyzed. Uh, you're okay. It's because you're on camera. You're just not. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. This is not. I got it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's the camera. Camera. The Bible's camera shy. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, so 
just that part of, of course, John is, is intentionally mirroring the language of Genesis chapter one. Mm-hmm. And, and you see the, in the beginning, it starts exactly the same way that, you know, of course, Genesis is written in Hebrew originally, but then it was translated into, into Greek at a later time. We call that the Septuagint. Talk about that another day. But in the beginning is the way that Genesis one, in the beginning, um, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and so here, John intentionally mirrors that in the beginning, but here he says, was the word. And he goes on, of course, and describe this. And he says, the word became flesh later in chapter four, or verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so he's talking about Jesus here. So he's, right. he's talking about the the preexistent. We'll talk later about that. The the eternal word, the preexistent word, we would say. But notice what it says in verse three. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Nothing was made. Uh, nothing and without him, nothing was made that has been made. It, so it's it's kind of funny. It's a double way of saying this. So not only does John affirm he made everything, but he also goes on and says there's nothing that was made that was not made you know, without him. Right. And, and so you see him saying, he says he's, that he's a, really, really reaffirming this. So that brings us to this problem, this interesting idea, I shouldn't say problem, but this interesting idea. So if, if what we mean by, when we talk about God, mm-hmm. if what we mean is the, the one through whom all things came to be the, the creator, right. that's what the very foundational truth about God is in the beginning of Genesis, John comes along and says, this is true of of this person named Jesus who made his, his dwelling among us that leads us to this idea. Okay. Well, we have this idea of, a, of, of God right. being a, um, put with Jesus as well. Not only here, and I know I'm always in, in John, look at Colossians chapter one as well. Colossians chapter one, 15 or so. And let me read, I'll go ahead and yeah, read this since yeah. I got it. I think, um, this is what, uh, this is, I'm reading from the t- 2011 NIV. It says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We may need to come back to that in a minute. But mm-hmm. for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So that's an interesting, again, Paul here seems to be affirming that same thing in a variety of different ways. All things were created he, he does this kind of dualistic thing we have in Genesis, heaven and earth, visible, invisible. Mm-hmm. And then he says, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things, again, he repeats, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. I don't want to get to this in a minute. He is before all things, and in him all things, uh, what does your version say there? Uh, uh, and in him all things hold together. Hold together, or, mm-hmm. or they used to, we used to say consist or subsist. You know, all things are, are held together. So there's this, we, we call this sometimes the idea of ongoing act of creation. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And, and then we'll get to this in a minute. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So not only is he the creator of all things, but he's also the reconciler of all things, the one who brings all things together. And and so that's, that's, an, that's an important big deal. Let me go back to that idea of firstborn there for just a minute, because that does... That, that's caused some issues in the yeah, past. Yeah, it has. And, and, and really, this has a lot to do with the position or the authority of firstborn, what I would say. Mm-hmm. So some people say, well, he's the first created. 
That's what some right. people believe about Jesus, that he's, he's the first he's created. He's a creation. Not... But, but that doesn't seem to be what Scripture, like John 1 that we looked at here in Colossians even, I don't think that's what, what Paul is saying. What he's saying is that he is, you know, John says he was with God in the beginning. And so it's not that he's the first created, but he has that position or that authority. So when Paul's talking about he's, you know, thrones and powers and all these things were created by him, that's that word um, that has to do with the, the 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 authority of the firstborn, if you will. Okay. I, that's that's how I would understand it. And we can we can talk about that perhaps uh, when we talk about Jesus, but but he, he's the creator as well. And so that brings us to this idea. And so an, another basic truth we would say about God is we believe. Most Christians believe in in what we call the Trinity. We believe it, that God is triune, uh, is the way we say it. And uh, that's the way you say it. <laughs> we say Trinity. <laughs> I know it's a it's a fancy word, but triune triune. The reason I like to say triune is because it has to do with a three in one. Mm-hmm. You see the unity, and Trinity has it in there. If you think of the word unity, so. So I know. the triunity. <laughs> I know. So there's there's a singular there's a singular connection, if you will. There's a singular being, if we want to say that. And, and, and yet we find, I haven't talked about the spirit yet, but we find that that the Father, mm-hmm. we often will say, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and then the Holy Spirit are all three given these attributes of like the Creator of all things. So when Jesus is called the Creator of all things. You know, that's where we go. Now, some people have an issue, I'll go ahead and say this theologically, with the idea of Trinity, because that word never occurs in Scripture. Right. We have to say that. Um, but what I think is it's the truth of Scripture that we see these attributes of the, of the divine, I'll say the attributes of God, that are, that are put on, on all three of these persons that, that cause us to come to that, to that kind of, yeah, that kind of belief. Now, here, here's what I will say is, you know, because some people want to kind of think about this in a different way. Well, there's one God, and, and that's that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. If we didn't believe, if we didn't have in the Old Testament and also in, in, in the New Testament this strong emphasis on we believe in one God. Right, um, the monotheistic. Then, then we wouldn't have to have the, the doctrine of Trinity. We would just believe in three gods. Mm-hmm. But but we are, you know, the, the scriptures are so clear on this teaching that there is one God, and then we have these three persons who are given these these attributes. Tributes. That's where the doctrine of the Trinity really, mm-hmm. really begins. Now, there's been issues in the past where they've said like it's one God, but just manifested yeah. in three different. And, and I was going to get it. That's, that's a oneness or something. Yeah, there are there are people who who belong to churches that that do believe in that there's only one God. And there's a couple of different ways that you can you can do this, and I think I, I would say— I mean, say, we believe in one God. This is where the language gets a yes, little tricky. and that's why we, we believe in Trinity, because we believe in one God existing in three persons. And, uh, um, you know, the the idea of the three forms—and so I was going to say there's a couple of different ways we can misunderstand this, and, and this is where we have to be very careful with our language, because people will begin to try to think about this. And, and for some people, the Trinity is very hard to kind of get their head around, because it doesn't— mm-hmm. It doesn't compute, if you will. How can I don't remember in junior high it was just about water, right? (laughs) Well, ice, ice, water, and steam. I'm teasing, and that's where you get the three forms Mm -hmm. idea. So people will use these kind of these kind of uh, images, for example, to say water occurs in three forms, or they will say that through throughout history, um, you know, if we look at throughout Scripture, that that God has manifest Himself in different ways, but but I don't think the Scriptures allow us to believe that. And and I'll give you a couple of examples. This is, you know, I kind of ask this question usually when I'm teaching this is I'll say, 
Give me some examples of stories where we see the Trinity in Scripture. What can you think of any that you you see? My, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Did you have one? Well, I'm just trying to think about where we see, like in the beginning, and then the sure. Spirit over the water, and we have God creating. Right. A lot of people will go look at Genesis one, and especially once we have this idea of the preexistent Word and God speaking creation into existence. You know, people will will read John back into Genesis and say, "There's Jesus at work and operative." And we also have this image, like you said, yeah, the spirit was hovering over the face of the deep mm-hmm. is the way it's it's described in Genesis chapter one. And so we have all three persons of the Trinity in, involved in creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, how, like when Jesus is baptized in the spirit. That's my favorite picture. Mm-hmm. And, and that one really, I, I think, doesn't allow us to to have this kind of an idea. Of, the, the technical term is modalism, mm-hmm. have this kind of view that that there are three different modes in which God reveals himself. Because if you remember Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist baptizes him and he he raises him, and it says there's a voice from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I am pleased, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand that to be the voice of the Father affirming Jesus' baptism, Mm -hmm. and then it says that they saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending Mm -hmm. uh, upon him. And so there's all three persons that we see active there. It seems it seems separately, you know. So and simultaneously, the, and simultaneously. So this idea of of there being different modes or different forms throughout history, I don't think is something that we can scripturally right. Um, and so and so the the misinterpretation would be like there's God the Father, and then when when Jesus is God right. has come down and he's only in Jesus. I call, the, I call this the Clark Kent Superman <laughs> view of God, just to, just to help us understand. You've never seen Superman or Clark Kent in the same room. Right. Because they're the same person. Right. right. So Jesus ascends and then he comes right back down as yeah. a spirit. Now, I, I used to collect uh, Superman comics when I was a kid. And I remember this one, this one episode was one comic, Clark Kent interviewed Superman that this was going to, cause there was all the speculation. Well, you never see Clark Kent and uh-huh. Superman in the same room. So he, he did it in this remote location and he set up, he set up cameras to, to do this himself. And in the comic, it showed him, you know, of course, Superman super, super fast. Super fast yeah. And he's like switching clothes back and forth so fast. People can't tell that he's actually interviewing himself. Okay. So I don't think God's tricking us that way is I guess uh, what I'm trying to say. So. I'm, I'm glad to know. <laughs> But I think we see that the other thing, you know, I'll mention because I'm a I'm a John guy, and so in 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 what we call the upper room discourse, we've talked about that before, 14 through 16 or so. Upper room di- discourse is technically through verse or chapter 17, but in, in those chapters, we see Jesus talking about the Spirit, and he says, "I'm going to send another Paraclete, another Counselor, or Comforter, mm-hmm. however we translate that word, Paracletos. I'm going to send another." And he's talking about the spirit, you know, who's going to guide you into all truth. So Jesus there seems to be making a, a distinction or differentiation between him and the, and the spirit of God. And, and so we have, you know, we have all three of these that, that seem to have distinct uh, purposes. It's even one of the, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, at a later time, <clears throat> in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus says to the Father, not my, my will, will, but your will be done, that Man, that really messed theologians up for a long time because they're like, okay, do do we have two separate wills then? Right. Uh, you know, does, does Jesus have this divine? Well, not. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I know. But this divine will and this and, human and, will and his human will, and so so you know that that's one of these things we have to think about. But anyway, we believe in a trinitarian. That's most Christians throughout history and and across the 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 globe today. Most Christians would affirm a belief in in 
God existing in three persons. Creator of all existing in three right. persons. But not not forms, right? Not mm-hmm. modes, anything like that, but but existing in, in three persons. Um, you know, the other possible view is people see these three as, as completely separate. And I've already talked about that idea that that we believe in one God, so that becomes a real problem. I mean, in fact, that was, you know, if you think about the, the statement of faith for the Israelite people, uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter 6, we call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was their most basic belief. That was it, yeah. That, you know, that was like, like if we say, you know, as Christians, we might say, you know, what's our statement of faith? We would say it, when you boil it down to its most basic, it might be something like, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, something like that, mm-hmm. the good confession. And, and But they, they would say, Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, is is that belief, and so you know, as as Christians, we believe that same thing. Now, let me let me go back <clears throat> before we get to that. There was another idea I was going to say about this. Um, I, for me, a lot of people struggle with this concept of Trinity, and Trinity never really bothered me too much. Uh, and in fact, for me, the 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 view of Trinity has become so basic in my in my belief that I believe it's not only necessary scripturally, and it, it makes sense theologically, but I would say even philosophically. To understand God as creator, I need to understand him in, in, in Trinity. And, and I'm okay. going to try just basically to to kind of explain my way of thinking here uh, because and, – and, and this gets into lots of pretty deep concepts. Like we think about time, for example, and those kind right. of things. Yeah. If you think about creation, okay, we understand there was a time before creation mm-hmm. when, when there was just That's, God. Right. And then there's this time after creation. However, we understand the relationship between those two things. We usually use the terms before and after, but you know, we, it gets really messy. messy, you know. And so, but but when when we have this this idea of God on his on his own, for lack of a better way to to describe it, deciding to create or whatever, it, it's kind of what changed or what. What is there if if we think about all of etern- eternity past? But right? there's no time. Well, yeah, I, th- there's eternity though. Yes, yes. And someday, if you want, because I've thought a lot about the, the relationship between time and eternity, probably more than any person might, ever should have. <laughs> that'll be a different. That'll be a bonus episode <laughs> that, that for those be, of you that hate may, your lives. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> that's easy. No, that may be. I'm uh, just saying that's that's it's pretty deep stuff. Yeah. But, but anyway, let's not let, don't get sidetracked by that. Let's sorry. Let's, let's, si- let's stay to the main I'm main thing pulling here. Pulling myself together here. So what what would there happen in the life of God? Is the way we sometimes will say about it that that brings about this this idea. Now, now here's what I would say. This is really getting into the thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit, and that is that God is preexistent, and, and and I think I think that's actually a pretty. So I would believe that the triune God is is preexistent because I believe it's the interaction between the three persons uh, of the Trinity that that is dynamic, not static. Gotcha. So it's a community. Yes, and there's there's interaction between them. In fact, I think I can... A bit, communication it, between them. There, there's two places in Scripture that I'm pretty sure we see that. So, yeah, so communication is one thing. And, and the other... So, so I'll show you where we... Ha- you know, if you think about it, when we said that John says, in the beginning was the Word... And the word was with God. That's that idea of there being communication before the creation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, God speaks creation into existence. So, there, so communication pre-exists. So, it, the interesting thing is, 
you know, language, not, not a language I'm talking about here, but the idea of communication, I think is a preexistent concept. Mm-hmm. Because that's, you're saying like, you believe what, what changed and it was in that communication that right. they, that God chose to create. Right. One, one way this has been depicted in the past by, by people who are thinking about these things is that there was a divine dance is the other way we could describe this, that, that the, the three persons of the Trinity were in this, this eternal dance. But but it's there's communication, but there's also here, here's the other thing. If, if I don't think any, I know people are kind of going, what what's going on? <laughs> but I think I think no one would disagree if I said, does the scripture teach us God is love? I mean, nobody nobody would disagree with that, right? Mm-hmm. There's more to God than that, but but God that is, is an just, attribute. Describe First John, you know, other places, God is love, uh, right? But but if you think about love, is love possible without an object of love? There has to be a relationship there. There has to be something so. to love. I think so. And so even to say that he is in his basic nature love impl- gives us the implication that there is there is another person, right? Right. Communication that if we believe that Jesus is the preexistent word, that that was happening before the world was created. Let me give you two examples. Uh, this is theology, everyone. <laughs> It's just, it's just maybe something in a way we haven't thought about, but I think it's important to get this to get this right because this is God. Absolutely, this is like kind of a big deal, pretty big deal. So look at John seventeen twenty four. Go ahead and pull that up for me if you would. I'm going Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. (laughs) John, what seventeen? This is the upper room discourse again. This is actually what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus in in John seventeen, in verse twenty four. So, so what this is, you know, again, the night before Jesus crucifixion, uh, night of his arrest, he's with his disciples and he, he prays this prayer for them. And he says, you know, I pray not only for them, but also for all who will come to believe through them. And he prays a lot of different things, but listen to this, what he says here. Okay. Just verse 24. Just verse 24. Okay. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Okay. So you hear that? He says, I want to give them this glory because you have loved me before, before, before the foundation of the world. So before creation, we already have this love that, that exists between the father and the son. And I would say between the spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's this interaction and, and, so here's the way I understand this. We have to be careful because when we talk about God, and it's it's funny because people will say this all the time. Well, God needed someone to love or something like this. Anytime you start talking about need, you know, God, I, I would say he is, can exist without. Us. I think he he did for all eternity past, right? Right. And and so so it, it, there's no lack in him. I think we have to be very careful when we talk about this. But if we understand creation coming as as a result of the overflowing of the love of the persons of the Trinity. That's a pretty cool concept then. So I think there's this love that's going on, you know, within within the life of God, and it, I would say, kind of overflows into this idea of creation. And gotcha. that's, in, in a sense, I would say love is the foundational uh, pillars of, of creation itself, which is a really cool concept, really idea. Now, it gets messed up, and we'll talk about that another time. But yeah. the way God created the world is out of out of the overflow of His love for for the, the other Father per, and the Son, the Father the son and the, the Son, father. and the Spirit, and 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 just that ongoing love that they have. 
Mm-hmm. That's the way I like to think about it. Here's That's the other cool. one. This is in First Peter chapter one. I'll read this. This is verse okay. eighteen through twenty. So, what what basically Peter's talking about here is is the way that that the people to whom he's writing, he's writing to a large number of, of Christians in in different places, different congregations. I think. And he's talking about the way that they have been saved, the, the the way that they came to salvation. And then he says this, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. So the word redeemed has to do with purchasing. It has the idea of being uh, bought back. It, it, the re there is an important part of this. They've been bought back. It was not with perishable things, he says, like silver or gold. I mean, silver or gold's valuable stuff, right? But he's right. like, oh, you were, you were purchased with something that's far more valuable then even silver or gold is what he's getting at. And you redeem from this empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what he says. But you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, that not silver or gold, not dross like silver or gold, but precious blood of Jesus. Yes. A lamb without blemish or defect. Now here's the here's the crazy thing. Verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. So here, here's that idea. Not only is there this life of God that exists before creation, but even I would say when the idea of this, <laughs> however we want to think about it, when, when the, the, the creation was, was being done, even before that, the decision had been made that Christ was going to become this, this lamb. Mm. Now, you know, you're always saying, so what? You uh, know, yeah, so what? <laughs> for us. I'm saying it now. <laughs> for us, this, uh, you know, this gives us confidence, I think, in in our salvation. This wasn't just something that God came up with on the fly. Right. This wasn't plan B. <laughs> right. And it's well, not, yeah. It's not like God was surprised when mm-hmm. rebellion took place. And we'll talk about the fall, uh, I think, in a later episode and this this kind of an idea. But, but it, it is that God knew the cost, if you will, of creation. He, he knew what was going to be necessary. And the decision was made before creation that Christ was going to have this, this uh, point. He was, going to, he was going to take on this, this role for us. So the thing that blows my mind is preexistence. You know, not, not Trinity so much, but that before creation, God existed. And, and so therefore, and this kind of blows people's minds when I say it this way, I'll often when I'm teaching students, I'll say it this way first and then kind of, kind of they'll all, you know, throw, start throwing stones at me and they'll say, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a way in which God does not exist in the same way. See, yeah. you did it. You almost threw a stone at me. No. God oh, does not right. exist in the same way that anything else exists. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like when we think about this table or this computer or you know the water bottle, anything else in front of us, uh, when we think about these things, they came into existence through through God, through His action, and so His, however we understand being or whatever we want to call that, uh, is different than I- anything else. And so that's you know, <laughs> when it's, remember, it's hard to fathom. It is, but I remember in high school, you know, here's here's again the practical implication. You know, the people who were trying to be cool atheists and stuff would be like, "Well, you know, who brought God into existence?" That kind of thing. Right. It's like, well, he didn't exist. He does not exist in the same way that you or I do. So I would say this: our existence is dependent upon his. He is the only independent, you know, if you will. He's the right. only uh, uncreated creator. Because if, use, if you believe there's someone that created God, then who created that creator of God? Who, you know, it's right. And it's but 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 what makes it possible here? And this is this is again a fine point. But 
What makes it possible is that his manner of being is different than anything else in the universe. His ways, you know, Isaiah 50, are, are so far above our own, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a different manner of being. Also makes it just the incarnation then that much more amazing that, that you know, Christ took on flesh and made his dwelling. He participated in something in, in, that is far below, so well, far below. Yeah, is a part of his created being yeah. in order to, and it was decided, I would say, before the creation of the world. So that, you know, that's some things there to think well, about. Well, my, uh, so this reminds me, so uh, we've taught our kids, and we've had this conversation, one of them, or it's an, I don't know, it's an episode that's coming up, I think. Okay. Uh, but we, we talk about theology, and so we went through uh-huh. this book called Theology, and it's kind of like, it's a kid's okay. story where these find this book, and it's all about theology, and it's these little stories, and we talk about creation. Right. And that God was before creation, yeah. and mm-hmm. I can't... It, We've had so many conversations yeah. in our house. My kids are like, I don't like it's it's boggles their mind that, that before time God is out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like before, like and it's different, and it's just this really hard yeah thing for them to wrap their mind. And I'm like, you know, as I think about it, it's kind of weird for me to think about too. It like, is because we only have one way of seeing and or how, how we how we understand it we are a part of the universe we interact with the universe that's that's mm-hmm. with the created the created uh world if you will the created universe that's what our interaction is and so yeah to think before that or beyond it now in fairness the scientific explanation i would say if people really think about that because people really don't understand you know the big bang theory for example when you start really trying to get someone to tell you about it they they'd have no clue because it's the same thing we were t- we were kind of talking about. You know, they talk about a singularity, right? Because you can't talk about points because there is no space, right? Yes, it doesn't exist. And, and so, so what we have is the Big Bang theory is a view that all that exists is is, and you can't say compressed because there's nothing outside of it, right? Because all we all there is is universe. So right. what's outside? Yeah. And so when you really get to start thinking, people thinking about the scientific explanation, they, I don't think most people, most people have not thought about it carefully. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's the same thing at some point, some, some, again, there's no time, there's no space, but, but this singularity begins to rapidly expand mm-hmm. and that's the bang part right. of the big bang. But, but um, it's not in anything. And, and, and they would say that, that the universe is not in anything now. Right. Then, so what was the gases in that exploded to? Well, there's no, yeah, there's nothing outside of it. And so, so again, what, you know, the Sartre, I think it was, the philosopher Sartre yeah. said the, the most profound theological or ph- philosophical question is why there is something rather than nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're getting at here. That's really some of the, we're at the edges of what we can understand as finite human beings because we're, again, we're in this stuff. So whether we try to do it from a scientific standpoint or from a theological standpoint and look at the biblical story, I think it, it becomes a bit mind-boggling. But, but in, for me, the idea of an eternal personality, and, and especially like you said, community, this relationship, for me in some ways helps explain human consciousness better than randomness and time. Right. You know, that, yeah. that, 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 we have intelligence that is the is is responsible for this creation rather than you know pe- people use this term uh you know intelligent design mm-hmm. 
that there's intelligence behind this this creation rather than, than simple randomness. And I do think it has implications then even for the way we have morality and, and all kinds of yeah, other I, stuff. Yeah, I was so. reading one of Schaefer, Francis Schaefer's books. Yeah. He talked about personality. Yeah. Like, how do we explain personality? And, and again, people, most people don't think about our consciousness, that, right. that we are aware not only, but we're also aware that we're aware. You know, all of this kind of within us, how do we, how do we understand and explain this? And I think it's best understood from the creation of a, of a personal God and that's another thing we sometimes we t- sometimes misunderstand you know when we talk about God being personal what we mean is is we're not talking about an impersonal force right we're, we're talking about a person who has you know will and emotion and and thought and communication and all these kind of things we understand a person to have mm-hmm. <laughs> different in a different way mm-hmm. so anything else you wanted to add or no I mean okay. again I'm thinking back to that Francis Schaefer book uh, that I've been is reading. Is it the God who is there? Is that yes? Okay, you yeah, know, talking about book. like because there's communication, and and within the Trinity, it makes sense yeah. in His creation, He would communicate verbally. Yeah, you so, know, and through some of this stuff as well. Now here, and then, again, this we're getting a little philosophical here, but but so again, think about this: communication is not a human creation. Now, now languages maybe, but but communication is more basic. The idea that we can um, transfer ideas from one person to another Other. is pre-existent it is is a, is a, is if you want to think about this woven into the fabric of the universe and and that i think it's cool that god speaks creation into existence mm-hmm. so now the reason that, that becomes important is there there's a whole kind of movement or, or or thought that we can't really communicate with one another we really can't share ideas in this kind of thing i would say that's that's from a biblical Christian worldview that's inappropriate. That's an un- bumpkiss. <laughs> that's the official term. Bumpkiss. Well, I was going to go there, but well, let me. I don't. Know All how, right, we've how, we've traveled down some trails here. How, how I don't know how we're how we're doing time wise. Forty forty okay. minutes. Well, let me we, let me just, just keep talking, bro. <laughs> let me finish this. Quickly, Our audience then. just is dying oh, no, for no, no, more. No, I'm sure this more. is this <laughs> this one's already been turned off by many people. But no, let me let me just. Uh, Talk if you're about still it. with us. We're going to get back <laughs> to the topic. I'm going to just talk about a few characteristics of God. Then we've been talking kind of about talking about God's nature. We believe that He is the Creator. He's the Triune Creator of all things. The pre-existent Triune Creator is kind of you know the way we would describe this. But then let me talk about some of His characteristics. And there's some some and, a, and a, there's a couple of these that I think we need to understand properly in order to again speak well to to, to think think and speak properly about God. The first is, and, and we talk, call these three, first three the omnis, right? Yes. Omnipotent, uh, omniscient, omnipresent. Uh, he is all-knowing, uh, and, and oh, I, let me start with all-powerful. He is all-powerful. And so, the again, this idea, if you go back basic to this idea that he's the creator of everything, there is nothing that he's created that's more powerful than he is. And in fact, everything together within the universe is not more powerful than he and, and when you really start to think about that from a scientific standpoint, it begins to blow your mind a little bit. Yeah. So can God create a rock so big he can't <laughs> Well, <laughs> here's... Don't answer that. Well, I actually have an answer for it, believe it or not. So what I would say, the, the, the way I would define all-powerful is that God is able to do anything that is consistent... With his character. With his character. Yes. And so my question would be, why would he, right? So... But but it, it has to do it has to do with it, when you really begin to think about all the matter that exists in the universe, especially in an Einsteinian, you know, after after yes. Albert Einstein, we understand the inherent power within a relatively small amount of matter. Right. 
right? You think about the effects of the atom bomb, for example, relatively small amount of matter. If we release the energy that's inherent within, within atoms, if we can find a way to release that, that power's fabulous. So you think about, you know, it's, an, it's huge. huge. That's so you, you think about fabulous, all, not like, right. All the matter that exists in the universe and you think about that God brought that into existence and, and that if, if it was all released in one time, it would, you know, he's more powerful than that. That's, right. that's, well, even going back to the big bang theory, you sure. know, like the amount of the, the as science looks at it, the, the expanding universe, sure. like the mm-hmm. power that's pushing yeah. out from that yeah. singularity, whatever. Right. And even, well, I don't want to get into the red, no, no, red no, shift and antimatter and no, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, not there yet. but yeah, there's lots, there's lots going on there. Second, God is all knowing that he is the one who created these things. So he understands how they work. So he, they understand how they should work and that kind of thing. He's all knowing. Right. He's all present. Um, not that he is in all places at all times. I think we sometimes misunderstand that. Um, you know, that that's not the view or that all exist within God, that those are two kind of misunderstandings of this. But I would say it this way, that God is not bound by time or space. Uh, he is not, he is not bound by space. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so that's kind of the way we understand this idea of omnipresent. Couple more, and there's lots of other attributes of God we could talk about, but I'll say these are two important ones: that He is absolutely holy, and and we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, well, yesterday we were talking about this, and you were asking some questions about this. But but God's holiness has has really incredible application and, and implications. So so the first thing is this: when we talk about God's holiness, again, it's different. And and, and again, Isaiah would say this. He is absolutely holy, not because <laughs> not because he keeps the rules, right? It's not because he always does the right thing, but the right thing is the right thing because of who he yes, is. It, it is his nature. Right. And, yeah. and and sometimes to get to think about this, I'll say, well, by what standard are you going to judge God? Mm-hmm. You know, whose rules are you going to put him right. up against? But but the idea is that right is right because of who he is, yes. and, and wrong is wrong because, and we'll talk about this in the well, next it, episode. Well, it, it kind of goes back like his character. It's consistent yeah. with his character, and he yeah. is holiness and he can be nothing but holy. Yeah, there is yeah, there's no yeah, he cannot sin, we would right. say. If he if he were to sin, it would not be a sin, you know, I mean kind of make it a simplistic <laughs> yes, kind of way. Yeah. But yeah, holiness so then so then, you know, our idea of morality then has and this is really important. It's not a morality from below, but it is from above that is that is inherent in his character. Okay? So that that idea of holiness so, you know, what you were talking about, you asked this question about wrath, which becomes a big deal. But when any in, in, in the in the view of that, that incredible idea of holiness, sin is is unable to exist in, in, in that in that idea. So sometimes the image I'll use here is a big magnet. If we think about like a huge electromagnet. And then a tiny little magnet, and you and you did this when you were a kid. You put the tried to put the ne- two negative poles together, or the you know yes. that kind of thing, and they wouldn't stick. They'd repel one another. Mm-hmm. And so God's holiness is such that that sin is just obliterated, if if you will. It is it is not able to to even come into contact with who He is. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's you know that's kind of the the way I like to to think about that. Uh, and then the final one, though, is this, and, and again, there are other attributes of God. I'm just kind of simplifying for the sake of time and and where we are, but but God is also merciful. So I think those two are very important, that he's holy, he is absolutely holy, and therefore nothing sinful can stand in, in his way, but 
but there is also mercy that he is he is willing to uh, to reach out uh, beyond his his holiness, oh, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I don't know how to, how to yeah. think about that, but but he is merciful to us in our sin, and and that's important. Final thing is this: I really want to talk about. It. We may need to, to do this another time. I don't know, but Jesus is also the ultimate revelation of God. We saw that earlier in John one. I wanted to say that mm-hmm. where where we have <clears throat> he was with God, but then he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, we beheld his glory, John says, um, glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see you know, God in him. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1, it pleased God to have all of his fullness dwell in, in Christ. And, and this idea that he was the image, and this, this is Paul kind of doing one of these, these kind of yes. things. He's the image of the invisible God. How do, you, how do you have an image of right. something invisible? And, and so he is the seen part of the unseen God. And so that, that idea of the image is, is – so Jesus shows us ultimately who, who God is. And here's the here, – look at this passage, Hebrews chapter 2. We'll just do okay. this quickly. Maybe we'll talk about this another time. But I, think, I do think it's important that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is. He shows us who God is. Um, Hebrews 2. Yeah, verses 10 and following. I'll just read this. Kind of quickly, I'll skip. I'm going to skip part of it actually today. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it is fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists. So there's that definition of God as creator again. Right. God, through whom and and for whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what He suffered. Uh, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, go down to verse 14. I'm just going to skip down. Okay. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like, like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he's tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. In Hebrews 1, the Hebrew writer begins with this idea that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is. But here he says he also becomes fully flesh, mm-hmm. and, and he helps us in that. So so he's the perfect revelation of who God is, and he's also the perfect revelation of what true humanity looks like. He's both of those things. That's what that's what Christ is. And so fully God, fully human, and those two natures not in conflict. We'll talk about another day, but but that idea of him as creator and also the revealer to us of who God is. That leave you with any questions or any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean this is a topic that we could have multiple, multiple, multiple episodes on, you know, talking about the nature of God and how he's revealed in that, but that, you know, um, no, I I don't have a lot of questions. I think this is good, you know, to understand that that God is triune, yeah, and is uh, you know He can see, you know, choosing Christ before right. the foundations of the right. world, seeing that, and that that you, we see all these attributes played out in His mercy through Christ, chosen before sure. the foundation, and that you know, I think the most interesting part for me was thinking about that communication between mm. and that love, yeah, uh, you know, you know, God is love, and thinking and those verses we looked at thinking about that love existing between yeah. them and what that means yeah. in creation as yeah. we, as we understand the love existing between. Yeah. So God, you know, God, when we say God is love, I mean, it's, it's saying that as a part of his very, 
very nature. It's not just an outward expressing yep. to us. It's an inward thing yep. for him as well. Yeah, within the life of God that it, that then you know spills out, out to us. us. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, very cool. Wow, there's a lot to think about there. <laughs> Theology, guys, you love it. It's good for you. It's good to learn it, how it to is. talk. Well, you know, and I think the thing is, you know, some people might have felt a little overwhelmed because we're talking about some stuff, but this yeah. is, um, you know, I think the thing is, is it can get pretty deep. We've even had this in small groups where you start to think about like, well, what about this? Yeah. Like, how does that? And so, you know, theology is just studying God and how he's right. revealed himself. It, and it's not... It's not impossible. Right. Just like any other subject, you know, the more we become familiar with it and, 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 and we even we go back and we begin to understand something better. And, and it's just it's just learning how to talk and to think about God in, in, in a true way, a proper way, I think. Is. And, and I think for, for uh, you know, I've always said this, we, we're we always really excited about apologetics. Yeah. But like the best apologetic yeah, is, is knowing theology. Is, is your theology yeah. and knowing your faith and that knowing this, you know, having this thinking theologically helps answer i think a lot of yep. the questions about how we live our life yep. today yeah I think you know it's right. like we try to find a verse but kind of going no we need to look at who the nature of god is how he's yeah. revealed himself and who he and that yeah. so as we understand theology we understand how we should live in this world and in this context and, and, and actually later of course this is important to start here but later we're going to talk about a way that i began to think about theology it made all the difference for me and in, in in how i i think about things and and my life and and you know what, what I'm called to do, I think. And so, yeah, we need to we need to start here. I think with yeah. God and who He is. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, we started this podcast with the Bible, right? Which is revelation of God, and so now we got to start the theology with God because He's yeah. Yeah, He's the source of all things. Well, yeah. Brian, thanks so much. Yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah, good See to be soon. here today. Come yeah. back. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are talking all about sin. Yes, you heard me right. We're talking about sin and what it can reveal to us about the nature of God. We hope you will join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get exclusive content like the Blue Letter Bible tutorial video, which we sent out last week. But if you sign up today, you will get that video sent to you. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.